0: <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yep. So it's more higher. Testing, yeah. <laughs> testing, test, yeah, that's about, testing, testing.
1: Testing. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. You just made my week. <laughs> We welcome again Don and Dave to make the presentation tonight of the three tables of Passover, past, present, and future, continuation of what we heard on Sunday. A little bit more history and, of course, the preview of what is to come. So, Don, Dave, let's give them a a round of applause and a warm welcome once again. Well, thank you, Pastor Tiemann, and and, uh, thank you to everyone for being a part of this again tonight. uh, Dave and I are honored and privileged to be able to share this story with you. And tonight, um, we are going to touch on this center table, the Seder seder table from um, 2,000 years ago and even before that as it developed up to what it is today. And many of you were here for this. You saw these elements that were here And last night, as I had indicated on Sunday, at sundown, Passover began. Millions of Jews throughout the world would have had their table set just like this. And um, this table over here is going to be a table that Dave is going to focus on tonight. This is the table as it would have looked in the time of Moses. The very original Passover commanded when they were uh, about to leave Egypt. And there were only a few items on here, the wine and the unleavened bread the lamb and the bitter herbs, and uh, that grew into what we see today, and the punchline from Sunday, and a summation of what that was, was that this table evolved from this table from the early Jewish Christians who added these elements in. They wanted to point to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, who had already come and finished his work. That's why we had the three pieces of matzah in the pouch that represented Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why you had the middle piece taken out, the piece of matzah, that would uh, represent, the second piece would represent the second person of the Trinity, the Son. That's why that piece of matzah is broken, is wrapped in the afikomen bag you see down there, and hidden away. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross, being broken for our sins, and then being buried and hidden away. And then as Dave explained on the third glass of wine, The children are sent forth to find this afikomen bag, this special piece of matzah that has replaced the lamb on the table. And on that third glass of wine, representing the third day when Jesus rose from the dead. And then most importantly, that Greek word afikomen, that made it in to this Hebrew celebration, which means he came. And it points to everything that Jesus did, and it's crying out to Jew and Gentile today that he has finished the work. So Dave will explain table one, really focusing on the upper room, what tonight is all about, monday Thursday, and the celebration of communion, the Lord's Supper. And I will then explain and close with the wedding banquet of the Lamb, the, the supper that we will be a part of in the eternal state with our God in his very presence. So with that, I will turn it over to Dave.
0: Good evening. It's me again. Last time. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here to build upon the story. There's so much to talk about in this whole event. Um, Not enough time to talk about it, but we're going to do our best to to cover more and build upon what we talked about on Sunday. So on Sunday, um, for those of you who are here, and those of you who aren't, you're getting a letter from the pastor, so (laughs) just beware. But I'm sure most of you saw this, but on Sunday what I talked about um, specifically on this table was the origination of the Passover, and not only the origination of the Passover, but how the Jewish families both um, celebrate and remember the Passover. Tonight, I want to bring this to Monday, Thursday, right? And I want to talk about the origination of Monday, Thursday, and how and why followers of Christ, us, how how we, why we celebrate um, this event and why we remember this event, why it's so important. So we're gonna take sort of a parallel of what we talked about here on Sunday and bring it to Monday, Thursday on on this table. So to start with, like the origination of Monday, Thursday is the same origination of what we had talked about here on Sunday, which is the Passover. The Passover is in essence the origination of Monday, Thursday. And as you recall, the Passover originated um, through, through God, through God's power in His um, freeing the Jews from slavery and delivering them from Egypt. And because of that miraculous event, God had called the Jewish people to remember the Passover. So, in looking at the remembering of the Passover, and which is like you keep hearing like this, remember the Passover, remember the Passover, remember the Passover. What I wanna focus on here tonight is why. Why was it so important that God had called for the Passover to be remembered? Well, to start with, right, one central reason why God had called to remember the Passover was that the Passover would ultimately foreshadow the coming of the Messiah, right? And the manner in which they would foreshadow the coming of the Messiah, you know, would be through this remembrance of the Passover. But why was it so important for the foreshadowing of um, the Messiah? Um, it is, it's quite simple. It's that when the Messiah would come, it would be really, really clear and make and no mistake in tom- terms of who the Messiah would be. So in foreshad- the foreshadow, in essence, is really sort of stating in, in sort of looking forward to what, not only the coming of the Messiah, but what the Messiah's purpose would be when he would come I.e., again, so that there would be no mistake as to who the Messiah, you know, is when he would come. So, getting to the foreshadow. Now, what do I mean by foreshadow? Well, let me share with you the, the foreshadowing piece, and then we're going to continue to build upon that. So, the foreshadow is this, right? The foreshadow, as you recall, um, goes back to um, the ten plagues. It goes back to the tenth plague, right? So, ultimately, again, as I shared, that God had freed... Jews from slavery and under the rule of, of the Pharaoh. And how did he do this? Well, he did it through a series of plagues. And the first nine plagues that he cast upon Egypt to unharden the Pharaoh's heart didn't do the trick. And finally, it was the tenth plague that did the trick. And the tenth plague, in essence, was the killing of the firstborn Egyptian. And um, to, for, for God to ultimately protect the Jewish families from that tenth plague, he called him to do the following. And in essence, what I'm going to be sharing here sounds the same, as, it's, it's the same as what I shared before, but the context of what I'm sharing it right now is relative to the foreshadow. So what he called the Jewish families to do to protect themselves from the angel of death, to protect them from this plague, plague was first, on the 10th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar, the month of Nisan, he called for the Jewish people to take a lamb a spotless lamb, a lamb without defect. And then he called them, part two, called them to watch over this lamb very carefully to ensure that the lamb that they had selected truly was without defect. And to watch over that lamb for four days. And during that four day time, they would not only make sure that that lamb was out without defect, but they would become emotionally attached to that lamb. So part three of the foreshadow is that on the fourth day, on the 14th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar of Nisan, and it sounds trivial, but you'll see where this is going, was he called for the Jewish people to take the spotless lamb and kill the lamb, right? A sacrifice lamb. And this would become a true sacrifice to the family. They gave up the best lamb in their flock. They became emotionally attached to this lamb, and now they're called to sacrifice this lamb. And then they were to take the blood of that lamb, spread it over the doorpost of their homes um, and, and consume, fully consume this lamb that night. And when the angel of death came through town, killed the firstborn Egyptians, and he passed over the homes of the, of, of the Jewish families, i.e. the last piece of this foreshadow is that this lamb became the sacrifice that created um, a redemption for the Jewish families. So again, so this is the foreshadow. So relative to the foreshadow, quite simply, take what I said about the lamb, take the lamb out and insert Messiah, right? Take lamb out, insert Messiah, and that's how the foreshadow would be played out by the Messiah. That would be the Messiah's purpose, but at a much greater level, right? He's not only, he's not only freeing, the, the, the sacrifice that would happen through the Messiah would not only be freeing the firstborn Jewish child, but it would be opening the gates of heaven and through that sacrifice and, and faith would free um, God's creation from, from death. So, so the stakes are, are, are upped through this foreshadow, but it was really, really important that this foreshadow was played out, right? Because again, when, there was, when the Messiah would come, there theoretically should have been no mistake about his identity. So the last piece about what I talked about on on uh, Sunday, I'm losing track of time, on Sunday was the fact that the importance of the children playing a huge role in the celebration of the Passover. And that was God's intent. He was very intentional in wanting the, the children to take an active part, to build their curiosity, primarily with the objective such that the Passover celebration that he called them to remember would be passed on from generation to generation. And again, taking the objective in mind, this is for the remembering of the Passover is such that this foreshadow could be passed down from generation to generation up until the time that the Messiah would come. Okay, so now we're going to fast forward here to fast forward five, 1,500 years. So now we're going, going from um, the beginning to 1,500 years and we're still at this table here, right? So now, uh, so to set the scene, so we're entering Holy Week, this is going to be the last week that Jesus is uh, f- finishing up his ministry. He's going to be sacrificed. He's going to resurrect. This is it. This is it. This is the last week. So he's heading to Jerusalem with his disciples. Just before he gets to Jerusalem, takes his disciples aside, and he begins to reveal this foreshadow. He tells them, he said, this week, this coming week, or what's about to happen, is I'm going to be sacrificed on day one, and I'm going to be resurrected. So... You know, the disciples are like, sure thing, boss, whatever you say, right? And it was pretty much like that. So in any case, so he's starting to, he's starting to unfold this. So now we, they get to Jerusalem on what we know is Palm Sunday, right? Just four days ago, Palm Sunday. And the interesting thing in terms of the timing of when they get to Palm Sunday, it happens to be on the 10th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar, Nisan right? So here comes the foreshadow, right? So he, show, he shows up with the disciples on that day. So what's, what's important about that day? What's important about the 10th day? Well, what I just shared with you relative to the foreshadow, relative to the first um, Passover, is that it's on the 10th day that Jewish families are called to select a lamb, a spotless lamb, a lamb without defect. It's lamb selection day, right? So that's what the families, you know, do. And what they do after that, and, and again, this is, you know, right in, um, you, know, 30, you know, 30 AD, they all, all, all the Jewish families take their spotless lamb and they head to Jerusalem. So every, every Jewish family, you know, has a lamb, they all head to Jerusalem. And why are they going to Jerusalem? Because they're getting ready for the sacrifice of the lamb that's going to be partaken on the Passover, right? And this is all happening on the 10th day. So, this is why they're all there. So, again, when Jesus enters town with his disciples, disciples, as we know, it's like, it's like he comes in in the crowds. Well, it's crowds. It's like thousands of, of Jewish people surrounding, um, you know, the roads that, that Jesus was entering in. Not just, not just a handful, but but thousands, right? And so, so stay with me on this. So, Thousands of Jews Jews are watching this, and they're cheering as Jesus is coming into the town. They're they're totally ecstatic. And what are they calling out? They're calling out Hosanna to the son of David, right? So what are they they saying, right? They're saying that this is the Messiah. This is, because it's Lamb Selection Day, they are now looking at the Messiah, not just a handful of, of Jews, but thousands of Jews and saying, this is the spotless Lamb, this is the lamb without defect. They have called out that this is the Messiah. Now, how do I know or how do we know that, that they're calling out that this is the Messiah? It's when they say, Hosanna to the son of David. Well, what does the son of David reference? It's a reference to the Messiah, right? So God had promised God had promised King David, right, that an eternal king would come through, um, through David, right? So the eternal kingship will, would flow from his bloodline, in what is that eternal kingship? It's the Messiah, right? So it's the Messiah would come from the king of David. So when the Jewish people call out, this is the son of David, they're saying, this is the Messiah, right? The, spot, the spotless lamb, the lamb without defect. And they've inspected that lamb for you know some time. So now, let's, let's move forward now. So four days later, 10th, 14th day, First month of the Jewish calendar, right? What's happening on that day? Passover, right? So now the Passover is being celebrated on this day. So what does Jesus call the disciples to do? He says, okay, go and make preparations for the Passover, right? Because he's going to celebrate the Passover with his disciples that night, the same as all other Jewish families. So so what do the disciples do in terms of preparing for this Passover? first thing they do is they take a lamb and they head to the temple mount in jerusalem where the sacrificial system exists where the lambs are sacrificed probably stood in a long line as they went you know um, person by person family by family but they had their lamb that they were going to be partaking in that night um, sacrificed right so what's the next thing they did so then they took the sacrificed lamb and they started roasting the lamb right because Roasted lamb was going to be eaten at the table that night, um, as in all other Passovers. Then the next thing that they did is that they went to the upper room, because they had to make preparations in the upper room. They had to get the upper room ready for this Passover, right? And what do they do? They they first cleaned out all the leaven in the upper room, right? You know, made sure that there wasn't one piece of leaven in there. And what's significant about leaven? Well, leaven is um, the leaven is the is is the elements that or yeast that helps the dough to rise in bread. And yeast in the Bible is synonymous with sin. So in essence they were going through the room, getting rid of all the leaven, getting rid of all the sin in that room. And then they set the table, you know, just pretty much as like what you see here. Four cups of wine and three food items matzah, bitter herbs, and a lamb. So we got, we got an actual lamb here because that's what was still being served at the Passover table at that time, lamb. So now everything's ready for, you know, for the Passover celebration. So now Jesus and his disciples that night sit down and begin to celebrate the Passover in exactly the same way that every other Jewish family would cel- was celebrating the Passover. And so this is the beginning part of that night where they went through the first two cups of wine. They started to retell the story. Um, just as, you know, the retelling of the, the Passover story, which is really how the Passover is remembered, they went through it, you know, all the way up until the time of supper, right? Then they had supper. And what did they have for supper? Matzah, bitter herbs, and lamb. So that's, the, they, so, they, so they did it. So they did it exactly the way that it was done for all other Jewish families. Now things change after supper, right? After supper is when the whole Passover celebration forever changes, right? So what Jesus first says, he says to his disciples, he says, hey, listen, I've eagerly waited to celebrate the Passover with you before I suffer. So what's Jesus doing right now? He's starting to share the unfolding of the foreshadow. He's starting to share his purpose and his purpose in parallel with the purpose of the Old Testament Passover lamb. said so, so he starts out with that. Then he goes and he, and he takes a piece of unleavened bread and he says, take, eat of this, all of you. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me, right? Then he then took the cup of wine and he said, this is the cup of wine, the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you. All sounds familiar, right? This is right after supper. So what's, what's significant about the piece, the unleavened bread that he just called his disciples to eat and, and the wine? Well, he's, in essence, what he's saying is that piece of bread, that piece of unleavened bread, that piece of bread that's without sin is now his body. And then he's talking about his blood and the combination of his body and his blood was about to be sacrificed. He's calling out that, my purpose is here such that I am going to suffer, I'm going to die, but in essence, I'm going to be taking the place of that Old Testament Passover lamb, and my sacrifice is going to have much greater impact, i.e. open the gates of heaven, than this Old Testament Passover lamb. But but, that, but he's stating his purpose, right? He's clearly stating his purpose, which again is foreshadowed off of the Old Testament uh, Passover. So, so he's stating that now, Now what comes next is that the foreshadow isn't quite done. The next thing with the foreshadow that has to happen is what? Is that it's got to be sacrificed, right? right? So one, he's declaring that he's the lamb. He's the New Testament lamb, taking the place of the Old Testament lamb. But the Old Testament lamb was sacrificed, and through that sacrifice there was redemption of the firstborn. He's now declared that he's the Passover lamb, and the very next day, Good Friday, tomorrow... What happens? He sacrificed. So now, check, another piece of the foreshadow fulfilled. But it ain't over yet, right? Because if everything up until this point that I've shared where the foreshadow is actually unfolded to this point, if what didn't come next didn't happen, i.e. death was conquered, it, this would be for naught. What happens three days later? He's resurrected, right? Such that this foreshadow, his purpose, is played out to a T. So what's, you know, we're, so the last couple of things that I want to say then is that I started this with saying, hey, we wanted to talk about Monday, Thursday, and not only how we believe, or how we follow, but why we follow. So now, how do we follow Monday, Thursday? How do we remember the Passover? Well, it's the taking of communion every single week. Right? That's how we remember the Passover. This is our Passover meal, not that. Right? This is our Passover meal. This is how we remember. Now, why is it so important? Like Jesus said in the upper room, do this in remembrance of me. Why is it so important that we do this in remembrance of Jesus? Because just no different than what I'd shared before, where I emphasized the fact that in the Old Testament, God had called the children to take an active role. Right? Because he wanted the children to become curious, to become intimate with this meal, such that it could be passed on from generation to generation. We as followers of Christ are children of God. So as children of God, what are we called to do? We're called to remember the Passover such that we could pass the good news of what happened to Jesus from generation to generation. So, with no further ado, I'm going to bring Don up in. He's going to finish this out. Okay, thank you, Dave. And these three tables
1: culminate in the banquet table. The wedding banquet, the wedding supper of the Lamb. And this is the foreshadow that has yet to be fulfilled. It is God's plan for the ages that it will all come to fruition, that each and every one of us will eternally have an intimate love relationship with God. He pictures this in Ephesians 5 for us who are married who understand this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. The intimate union of marriage, man and woman joined together for the most intimate relationship we can uh, enjoy on this earth, which is a picture of what God did with Israel, calling him is the husband of Israel, and what Jesus said, that he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And it is Jew and Gentile joined together today in the body of Christ, intimately united with God. No more Passover celebration. (laughs) No more communion in the eternal state. All that is finished. Everything has come to fruition and points to what we read in Revelation chapter 19. That the wedding feast has begun. That he heard what sounded like a multitude, the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, those are the true words of God. And he closes in Revelation chapter 21, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their." God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's what this is saying. Never again the need for Passover, communion, to point to our union with God, but instead we will actually celebrate all of these feasts in that wedding supper of the Lamb in God's presence for all eternity. Thank you for uh, sharing in this tonight. We are now going to have the praise team sing a song while we clear everything out, I've got helpers who are going to come up, and we need to clear these three tables out while they sing the song, and then we're going to continue with the rest of the service, and then we'll strip the altar at the end.